As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. PJ North. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and yeah, sportsman drag racing. Um, as per usual, uh, I want to say thank you for uh, for joining us, especially to those of you on the live feed. Looks like we've got a, a, a comfortable small group today. This is coming at a unique time, a unique uh, day on the calendar today, so we apologize for the uh, the inconvenience. Um, busy week for uh, for Jed and I, conflicting schedules. Um, no Jed this week. I am solo, so I am not joined as usual by Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed and I will be back together next week. Initially, our our plan, to be completely honest, was to have no show at all. Um, but there's some stuff. There's some significant news. I think is a is a good way to put it that uh, that came up within the last few days that we think is worth touching on. It feels time sensitive. So we wanted to provide a brief show this week. We're going to hit that here. Uh, again, it's going to be brief. You probably don't want to listen to me for any longer than you necessarily have to, especially without Jed to break things up. But again, uh, wanted to touch on a few things. And, and the obvious uh, jumping off point here is, is not a fun one at all. It's um, <clears throat> Frank Aragona Jr. following a brief, um, I, I actually not brief, following a, a fairly public battle with cancer, uh, Frank Aragona passed away on Friday. Frankie was just 53 years old. On the racetrack, Frank Aragona, legend. I mean, first ballot, 
Hall of Famer, right? Three-time NHRA competition eliminator, world champion. No one has more competition eliminator world championships. Frank is one of five, five drivers who have won three. Trivia time. Since Jed's not here, I'll throw this to you, especially those of you on the live audience. I'll check in on Facebook. I'll give you some time to think about it. How many of the other four three-time competition eliminator world champions can you name? Frank Aragona Jr., also one of just three drivers to win back-to-back championships in competition eliminator. He did that in 2018 and 2019. Again, just the third driver to do that. Trivia time, part two. Can you name the other two competition eliminator drivers that hold back-to-back NHRA world championships? Frankie, seven-time NHRA division champion, 16-time NHRA national event winner, including um, his triumph at the 2019 U.S. Nationals, which was uh, winning Indy is a a unicorn thing for all of us, but more so for Frank Aragona, because despite all of his illustrious accomplishments for decades in the sport, Indy was the one big win that eluded him until 2019 and seeing him get that win, which now obviously was one of his last, um, pretty, pretty, pretty cool stuff, right? 16 national event wins for Frank Aragona Jr. 15 of those came in competition eliminator, which makes him the fourth, ranks him fourth all time in competition eliminator victories behind a pretty illustrious group, right? That's David Rampey, David Nickens, Dan Fletcher, Frank Aragona. Those are the only drivers to hold 15 plus NHRA national event wins in competition eliminator. Interesting side note, I said Frankie had won 16 NHRA national events, 15 in comp. Trivia time, part three. What was the other category in which Frank Aragona earned a NHRA national event, Wally? Um, Obviously, as I mentioned before, Jed's not here with us this week. Uh, Jed, like so many that I saw, felt compelled to to uh, share some thoughts on on Frank Aragona on his Facebook page. I'll read that here just so we get a little bit of of Jed influence here on the show. But uh, and and this is just verbatim from uh, from Big Jed said, I'm very sad to hear about the passing of Frank Aragona. I never got to meet him, but I've admired his racing program for many years. His impact on our sport was tremendous, and his commitment to excellence was obvious. Frank leaves behind a legacy that anyone would be proud of, and he'll be remembered for being a true champion on and off the track. Prayers lifted up for the Aragona family and the many friends that he touched during his life. He will most definitely be missed. Again, those direct words from Big Jed. And that was just one of several um, accounts that um, that I read of Frank Aragona's uh, life and racing. Um, just a couple of just tremendous on-track and, and personal accounts from a couple of, of Frankie's biggest rivals really stood out to me. One came from Bruno Massel Jr., uh, another from, from David Rampey. And um, from a personal standpoint, like, unfortunately, I can't claim to have known Frank closely on a, on a personal level. Like we were very friendly. We caught up often at the racetrack, but looking back now, I don't know that I ever had a serious non-racing conversation with him, which I really regret because he was just one of those people that seemed like he had so much to offer on so many different levels. Right. Um, 
but from a, a racing standpoint, which was what our relationship revolved around, he was always just incredibly gracious with his time. He's been a guest here on the podcast. Uh, Frankie had done a couple of live calls with us over in This Is Bracket Racing Elite, was always trying to help our members. He was always incredibly insightful. And at the same time, he carried himself with a, a great deal of humility. Like he was just a, he was a guy that I like so many of us and so many that knew him was just very drawn to. And obviously, Frankie was greatly respected for his talents, his accomplishments on the racetrack. As is the case with anyone, those talents, those accomplishments, they were earned, not given, right? Competition eliminator is an often misunderstood category, especially from those of us that are not directly involved in it. And I think it can appear uh, at times, at least, to be all about the the cubic dollar, right? And I think we could easily admit that money is definitely an ingredient to success in any class, but specifically in competition eliminator. What gets lost, I think, to those of us that aren't living that category is the ingenuity that goes into it. And that's innovation that, while it might require a significant financial commitment, that's innovation that can't be bought. Frankie and his family and his operation was very much a family affair. Like Frankie was a second generation driver. I don't know that I ever saw him at the racetrack without his father. His uncle built their engines, like very much a family affair. And they were constantly innovating. Like I remember talking to Frank when he was building the combination that would ultimately carry him to his last championship in 2019. And I feel like he was telling me about this two years in advance. And he was so giddy about the possibilities of that combination. Like literally every time that I asked him about it for, for two years leading up to it, right? It was, he did this big smile on his face. There was never frustration. And he was like, yeah, we're not there yet. We're getting closer. And man, when we bring it out, it's going to be incredible. And when he did bring that thing out, talking mid-2019, it was just that. Like he went on this run where he, Frankie went from off the radar in competition eliminator point standings to runaway national champion in what seemed like two months. And there was an event there, and I know that I've told this story here on the show before, but it's my favorite Frank Aragona story. So I, I feel like it's it's time to revisit it. He and I actually shared the winner circle at the Topeka division race that year. And it was the first leg of a double header. And Frankie had rolled that new combination out and it was dominant. Like this is how dominant <laughs> that combination was. This is my favorite tidbit from just watching along that weekend. Frankie had a competition eliminator car, right? Competition eliminator, the goal is to basically go as fast as you can. You, to, to win, you got to be first to the finish line, right? He had a competition eliminator car on beadlocks. Like beadlocks slow you down, right? <laughs> beadlocks make it easier to drive down the racetrack. It's not like he's in a pro mod car. It was a mid seven second altered, right? That beadlocks on it just to try to keep the index under control, keep it manageable. Like that's how dominant the combination was. Anyway. Frank wins the first leg of that double header. And I believe there was like 17 or 18 cars entered in comp in the first race. It was five round race. And then in the second race, a couple of cars broke or, or couldn't run in race two. 
And Frankie withdrew because the, the line of thinking was, I'm going to win. I don't want to win a four-round race. Why well, win a four-round race when I could go somewhere else, win a five-round race and get 10 more points because I'm going to win the race. I'm going to win the world championship. And just the, A, the confidence to do that. B, the, the awareness to even realize that it's going to be a short-rounded race to know that a, that a racer or two wasn't going to compete. And then the the wherewithal to say, I mean, keep in mind, he's, he's half the country away from home, right? And he's already won the first race. He's in a commanding position to, to probably go and win the second one, or, or at least compete for that. And the wherewithal to say, no, like, I'll just, I'll just go somewhere else because those 10 points might be the difference. And guess what he did? He went somewhere else and he won the damn race, right? And that's, that, like I say, that's one of my, my lasting memories of, of, of Frankie. He was he was competition eliminator's biggest advocate. Uh, Bruno said as much in some quotes that I had read from him as well. That came through also in our conversation here on the podcast. That man loved the competition eliminator and probably has had as much to do with it still being a category, like still being contested, much less its growth in recent years. I think it's fair to say Frankie's had as much to do with that as anyone. So my um, my lasting memory of Frank Aragona is probably rooted more in his, his respect for the the sport and his appreciation of the moment. I mentioned earlier his U.S. Nationals victory in 2019, right, and all of the the close calls that he'd had in Indy and all the times that he'd fallen short, and to see that come to fruition for him. And I wasn't there to witness it in person. Right. But seeing the videos, talking to him about it after the fact, like I think it's very easy when you've had the level of success that someone like Frank had had to become jaded with uh, with accomplishments. And that that was not the case. Like the the significance of that moment um, was not lost on Frank Aragona. Right. It just it was really, really cool to see that outpouring of emotion. And that's at least in my mind, that's who he was. So you've got that moment. And the other lasting memory is the the champion's journal. If you've been fortunate enough to win an NHRA national championship over the course of the last half decade, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, Frank started this journal that passes around through every sportsman champion every year. And if you get the opportunity to win a championship, you get the opportunity to, to add an entry to this journal. And it's incredible, like when this thing shows up to thumb through the the words, the stories of past champions, you know, and it's only, you know, when I got it, I think it was five years old. Um, Frank, that was his idea, right? So the 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 thought that it took to put that into place in general, the, that opportunity to preserve those moments, those memories, you know, for eternity perhaps right like it, it, it's it's all on paper the thought to do that in the first place that was frank the work that it took to get it going and then keep up with it like it was the coolest thing in the world i get this text from frank aragona jr hey uh bruno's just finishing up the uh, the champion's journal it's shipping to you tomorrow here's the tracking number and it shows up right and i'm enjoying reading through it and thinking about what i could possibly add to it 
And then a couple of weeks later, you know, he gave me some time. He texted me. He's like, hey, did you, it, it, whenever you get that done, there's no rush, but whenever you get that done, here's Blake Peevler's address. He's the top dragster world champion. Pass it on to Blake, right? And so to, the thought to go into that, the work to keep up with it, uh, it's just that to me spoke to, to Frank's like respect for the sport, appreciation for the moment. I'm sure, I certainly hope, I, I'm confident someone will continue that tradition in Frank's honor. But I think it's also fair to say, no one will do it quite like Frank. So rest in peace, Frank Aragona, um, gone far too soon. Thoughts and prayers to his family. If it's some consolation in this difficult time, those of us who knew Frankie on any level are better for having him in our lives. Uh, he'll be fondly remembered. He'll be dearly missed. Trivia time. Answers. All right, I see that we got a few uh, a few participants in our game here, uh, the first question was three-time NHRA competition eliminator world champions. Obviously, Frank Aragona is one. There were four more. So a few guesses. Most guessed David Rampey, which is the obvious first choice. Yes, Rampey is one. Also, Bill Maropoulos, Norwin Palmer, and Bruno Massel Jr. Those are your five three-time NHRA competition eliminator world champions. Mentioned also part two of Trivia Time, Frankie won back-to-back -back competition eliminator titles in 2018 and 2019. That was been duplicated only by Dean Carter. And then back in my youth, Coleman Roddy was the only two other back-to-back -back competition eliminator world champions. And kudos to Jamie Sirocco, who I believe is the only one here in the chat that nailed it. On uh, part three of the trivia time, Frankie's lone non-competition eliminator national event victory came in the super comp category. Uh, I believe that was Charlotte. I want to say it was 2015 or 2016. I don't have that in front of me, but it was probably the greatest showcase on Frankie's versatility as a driver. Obviously, he was best known for his pursuits in competition eliminator. Super comp winner, had some success in stock and super stock as well. All right. We do have a little bit of on-track action to discuss. I had big dollar racing down in the bayou over the weekend. The 2023 version of the Southern Big Bucks Nationals, I got to admit, it had some $2010 million race vibes, right? We remember the, the poker run of 2010. We, we showed up at Indianapolis Raceway Park to compete for the million at the Mecca. And within... Uh, within a couple hours of my arrival, we were rerouted and we were we were all caravanning down the road to Muncie, Indiana uh, to, to host the million for a, a, a variety, a confluence of kind of bizarre events. The million literally moved from one racetrack to another. That happened last weekend with the, the Southern Big Bucks Nationals for, for completely different reasons. The event originally um, scheduled to take place at State Capitol Raceway. And my understanding is there was a, a, a lightning storm came through the area. I guess that would have been Wednesday evening that uh, that knocked out the timing system at State Capitol. They initially thought that they could get it repaired in time. And then as they got deeper into it, realized like we can't fix this overnight. And where I think most... Promote, I think it's fair to say most promoters would have given up, would have pulled the plug, um, given that challenge. And and honestly, the the weather for the weekend wasn't amazing. Um, kudos to the the staff there. That's uh, that's Johnny Zell, his wife Madison, uh, CP Cody Pollage. 
they they got really proactive, made a couple of phone calls and somehow made it happen to move this race on a moment's notice from state capital in Baton Rouge. What I think is about an hour down the road to No Problem Raceway in Belrose. Put it all together, put on what appeared, at least from the outside, to be an excellent event. Got rained out Saturday, uh, but they finished up Friday night's race real late in the wee hours of Saturday morning and then rolled Saturday's purse into Sunday. So a $10,000 to win box class Friday uh, and that was won by Rodney Parks over uh, Brittany's uh, Lejeune. And Rodney Parks is a guy, uh, I don't I don't know if that name resonates with a ton of our audience, but it resonates with me. Uh, Rodney's a guy that I grew up watching dominate um, in, in North Texas, been a great racer for a long time. And um, I actually used to, to kind of help out Rodney. I was a kid, right? I didn't even have a, a driver's license. And he was one of the guys that I really looked up to. He'd let me check the tires occasionally and things like that when he was driving for Tom Carroll back in the day. So I've got some really good memories with that man. Cool to see him get the win. And what's funny is I remember back to um, when I, when I, not when I first started racing, but when I started kind of figuring things out and, and having some success and uh, I kind of burst onto the scene there locally and there was a race where I think I I beat Rodney at, at some point along the long along the line, and he just came to me, shook my hand, he said, and he just this, you got to know Rodney Parks and his personality to appreciate this. But he looked at me, and the best line he could come up with was he had a, a newborn child at the time, and he said, "One day my boy's gonna kick your ass." Well, <laughs> fast forward twenty years, his boy Bryson, his oldest son, I believe. Uh, was in the semis of the same event and has actually made a pretty significant name for himself racing in the area. So uh, I don't know that that, that that's actually come to fruition yet because I don't think we've matched up, but it will. So Rodney probably called that shot a couple of decades in advance. Um, on the no box side, $5,000 to win Friday night. Win went to Caden Heyman, who has been red hot to start the season. He got the MVP awards for the weekend in addition to the Friday win. I believe he was double entered at eight cars in Sunday's 10 grander. And this comes on the heels of what I think was back-to-back victories in that area. Maybe one at Baton Rouge, one at Belrose, Caden Hayden, and off to a great start to the year. It sounds like that's a name that we're going to hear a lot more of. Uh, he got the $5,000 no box win late Friday night, early Saturday morning over Joshua Tanksley. And then, as I mentioned before, the Saturday and Sunday races got combined. So $20,000 to win off the top. It's a pretty good purse for early February, right? That went to Travis Barnett in that bad Firebird door car, four-second door car. He got the win over Kyle Rumley. Rumley just continues. Uh, Rumley, we talked about this on the show, like relatively quietly, was one of the biggest winners in 2022. And he starts 2023 on that same note, runner up in this 20 grander. On the no box side, again, the purses got combined. So it was $10,000 to win Sunday's race in no box. That saw Zach Craig get the big win over Lucas Walker, another guy that had a tremendous 2022 season is off to a hot start here. If you'll remember, he was a nominee for our driver of the year uh, on the potties episode. Lucas Walker looking to duplicate an incredible 2022 season here in 2023. Briefly, the junior dragster side of that event. Um, the younger junior dragster division was won by Bentley Wright, who defeated Adeline Paul for a thousand dollars to win. Uh, eight to twelve year old junior dragster. That that sounds like a big purse. Mario Gonzalez won this event for the second consecutive year in the older age group. Collected a two thousand dollar check for his win over Zach Pierce. 
Uh, one last thing before we turn loose for today uh, that really caught my attention and I felt like was time sensitive, wanted to discuss briefly, perhaps we will circle back on this next week with Jed as well, was that CompuLink Timing Systems, the the I think fair to say the, the leader um, for, for decades in the timing system industry, introduces what they're calling the Defender. It's an addition to their current timing system. And this is well, this is a, a new release for CompuLink. This is something that uh, I know has been in the works for several years. I'd heard rumblings of this a couple of years ago. And I guess the easiest way to do this is backtrack a little bit. And, and I'll repeat something that, that Jed and I have said repeatedly here on the show, that like, there's always constant rumblings of cheating within our sport. And usually those center around things that make the cars run dead on. And as I've said a hundred times, in this day and age, if I was going to cheat, if I was compelled to to try to beat the system, that's not where I'd focus because like the technology is advanced to in a manner where I think most of us would agree in an eighth mile bracket race, like I can go dead on all day long, I feel like, um, like completely legally, like cars just don't move much. You know, the, the technology is there. If, if I were inclined to cheat, I think that the biggest variable that you would want to minimize would be on the starting line. Like I want something to hit the tree for me. Like if I was going to beat the system, that's that's where I would look because I think it's the biggest variance, right? And there have been rumblings of a, whatever you want to call it, a, a tree reader, a flash detector. It's like, I heard this stuff when I was a kid. We're talking 30 plus years ago. Like that idea is not new. And I don't know enough about the technology. I don't know what's out there. But I think it's fair to say that we would be burying our heads in the sand to assume that in 2023, that technology does not exist. And I think we'd be burying our heads in the sand to assume that whatever technology is out there is not light years ahead of whatever was available 30 years ago, right? Like that's just common logic. Now, I'm personally not of the belief that the use of some type of cheating device like that is rampant by any means. But again, it's not hard to believe that it's in use by someone somewhere. And to be completely fair, like I'll reserve the right to be wrong. It, this could be a, a problem that I don't realize or a bigger problem than I think. And the incentive is obviously there. Like we're racing for six figure purses fairly commonly, seven figure purses occasionally. And as I mentioned, you know, coming into this, if you could utilize something that you know without fail, like let's say that you could be 10 or better every time that you staged, not 50% of the time, like most racers are probably capable of, not 70% of the time, like maybe the elite racers are capable of, but every single lap, that would be a huge advantage, right? So I am not going to pretend to understand the technology involved in, in what CompuLink is rolling out there. My impressions are, are this, that this uh, addition, this feature includes some additional hardware on the tree, on the system that I don't, again, like my verbiage is probably not accurate here, but that essentially emits a, a light or a wave of light. Again, not sure the terminology that the human eye cannot detect, right? That, that is not going to distract us or anything like that in the car, but that apparently triggers the sensors on whatever 
tree reading device is apparently available or triggers the common technology that would go into making such a device useful. So my take on this briefly, like as a racer, as a competitor, does this advancement change the game significantly? I would say no, just because I, I'm not of the belief that the cheating is rampant. But at the same time, does it make me feel good to know that someone is thinking about this stuff that's proactive and at least making an effort to police it? Does that make me feel better? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So kudos to Compulent, kudos to Bob Brockermeyer, everyone involved with this process. And I think as racers, we should all advocate to not only get this system in place, you know, as an upgrade at as many facilities as possible, but also to encourage people like Bob and like others, right? Like Rusty Crawford at AccuTime, like Allison Dahl at Portatree, to continue pushing the envelope, to continue working to develop systems that guard against what unfair, unethical, Ill illegal practices um, and toward the common goal of leveling the playing field as much as possible to preserve the competitive atmosphere in the sport that we love. All right. That went longer than I thought, but that's all I got. That's the show. All right. That's the show for this week. Jed and I will be back next week. Um, we've got to coordinate this, but I believe that we will record and believe we'll go live Monday evening, February 20th. So join us then on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast Facebook page or look for it in audio form wherever you find your podcasts. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.